Welcome to Hacking Postgres. Uh, today we have Marco Slot uh, joining us. Um, uh, I'm meeting Marco for the first time today. I'm super excited to be meeting you, Marco. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, very, very nice to meet you. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I, I'm Marco. I work at uh, at Microsoft, and I've been working on Postgres extensions for about nine years now. Um, yeah, starting with uh, with Citus, uh, PG Cron, and, and a bunch of uh, other ones. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so this is like n not really you know supposed to be an interview. It's more just us, you know, geeking out about Postgres extensions. You know what they mean to users, and uh, you know opinions uh, about anything and everything related to uh, our work is is fair game. So yeah, um, sounds good. So what'd you do before? before you got into uh, Postgres um, stuff, out of uh, curiosity. Yeah, my background is more in, uh, in distributed systems. So I, I spent yeah. a few years at uh, AWS. Uh, it was quite early early days in AWS when I think I joined, there were three web services, S3, S, uh, SQS, and EC2. Wow. Um, and then we Holy built crap. number four, which was CloudFront, which I guess people started using S3 for websites, which it wasn't really built for. But then we <laughs> yeah. you know, were asked to build this, solve this, and we built the CDN. Uh, and then we also built Route 53 for the for the DNS. Um, wow! And then uh, yeah, I also did a I did a PhD in uh, sort of self driving cars, but specific, specifically like cooperation between self driving cars, like what if they can communicate with each other and sort of coordinate. So it's sort of a Advanced distributed systems in a way, as well. Yeah, and so that was uh, that led to uh, me joining uh, Citus, which is more sort of founded by former Amazon folks. Got it. So, so building Citus um, was probably easy compared to all, all the other stuff. Huh? <laughs> it is actually, yeah. If you do if you do self driving <laughs> like cooperation between self driving cars, which is this kind of like life critical system yeah. where your nodes kind of just move around and they move away from each other. Um, it, it does make things relatively easy, but then, yeah, building, building <laughs> databases is never actually very easy. <laughs> no, I know it's, yeah. It's how good do you want to make it? Right. Is how hard it becomes. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess uh, so. the challenge is always everything, uh, like it's sort of in the word relational, right? Like everything relates to everything else. So you, there's not like a feature you can implement without considering all the other aspects of the database and all the things that can happen concurrently with the operation that you're working on and uh, uh, and all the possible ways in which things can fail, especially if you're in a kind of distributed setup. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting perspective. Like you think of all all of the um, you know, configuration bear you know, options too, like adding a new configuration option adds complexity, adds flexibility, adds potential conflicts you know and uh, it's, it's it's tough um yeah definitely i think uh, one thing we learned is like there's a there's a sort of certain danger in in creating modes where every setting you add which can be on off like then now you have you have two modes in your system yeah you another setting that can be on off yep. now you have four modes in your system and it's kind of this exponential yeah. explosion of possible ways in which your database might be running and so that's uh hard learned lesson that's like don't introduce like yeah. major like modes sometimes you have to because of backwards compatibility reasons maybe but uh it's it's like you want to get rid of them over time yeah so yeah so what did were you one of the first team members on on Citus uh building building it would and I actually I don't really know the, the full history did it start as a fork and and made its way as an extension or was it always a fork it always an extension 
Uh, yeah, I was one of the first, though. I think Samai was already there. I think he's uh, he's joined Tembo. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we started out as a fork and then we called it CytusDB yeah. and then we made it an extension and called it Citus. So I think the, site, the name CytusDB kind of stuck around for, st- I still hear it sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was very, um, I mean, pretty early days for extensions, like 2015. Uh, I mean, PostGIS obviously existed. It was one of the first major ones. Um, but yeah, at the, we were lucky at the time. We had like Andres Freund working for us. Well, he's, he's also now working yeah. for Microsoft, but he's like one of the top Postgres committers. And, and we put him in a room for a while to, you know, can you turn this into an extension, please? Um, yeah. And he came up with some terrible, terrible hacks. But over time, those also, you know, uh, drove some of the extension APIs in Postgres itself, where uh, you know, things that used to require really terrible hacks are now kind of more, like more structured, and um, you can uh, you can introduce your own sort of data structures into into Postgres without uh, doing lots of weird stuff. <laughs> well, I was thinking like, prob- probably not everybody knows what Citus is. Maybe if you could give a quick, I- I'd love to hear like a quick overview of what it is, and then maybe a couple things that maybe uh, you can think of that are unusual that people might not know about it that are part of it. I don't know if it, that's a stupid question, but yeah, if you could try. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It's, uh, so it comes from uh, basically this the notion that Postgres is ultimately limited to a single machine. I mean, you can re- read replicas, but you definitely cannot you know, scale the writes. You cannot, uh, usually if you have read replicas, they all kind of end up having the same stuff in memory. So you cannot really scale the memory either. Um, and so um, Citus is a solution to, is a, basically adds sharding to Postgres where in, in a very transparent way, where you can have tables that are sort of transparently sharded to, across many nodes. You still connect to uh, a Postgres server. There's just a table looks walks and talks like a table. But if you insert into it, it actually gets rooted to uh, to a particular node. And and if you insert in another value, it might get rooted into another node that uses uh, this hash distribution. Um, and that way you can scale across, you know, infinitely many machines. Um, and, and have like, you know, some users have petabytes of data in, in their Citus cluster. Um, it, part of the advantage is also that queries can get paralyzed on these tables because we can use all, all the nodes at the same time and multiple cores per node. Um, but more and more, it's also actually being used for uh, all the P workloads and particularly uh, the most popular use case is actually multi-tenancy where uh, you have like this kind of B2B app where uh, you have lots of relatively independent users, and you kind of want to just transparently spread those across uh, across different machines without having to actually manage that yourself and figure out how to move data around. Because that is all very kind of automated. You can just ask it to rebalance your data, and it does that using logical replication. Um, and so then you have the advantage of just as much memory as you need to make your application fast and as much disk IOPS as you need by just adding more machines with more disks. Um, and so that, yeah, that helps you scale. Um, so that's, um, and then, then we have a sort of managed service uh, in, in Azure around that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of like, we, we use like every, every hook that's available in Postgres to, uh, to achieve things like starting with the planner hook. Like that's one of the interesting things about Postgres. It's like you just replace the whole planner with something else. Like it just, you get a parsed yeah. query tree and then you can do whatever you want with it. You can you can just do some like 
okay, look at this query and log something interesting and then just go to the regular planner. Or you could just do something completely different. And so we use all these hooks to kind of create this facade around Postgres tables where it's like, Postgres table is still there. You just kind of touch it. Like we just we just intercept yeah. everything <laughs> that's, that's going on. And and uh, I mean, the most, the most recent and most terrible hack we did, <laughs> it was like the... Um, I give it as this hacking Postgres. It's um, so we can figure yeah. out what, what. So we have shards, like the the writes go into shards. But then, uh, if you do logical decoding, you see writes on shards. You don't see writes on these what we call distributed tables. And so, but the user doesn't even know about shards for like. Uh, so how can we fix that? And there wasn't really any kind of hook we could use uh, to to change the way that like the logical decoding process works. Uh, except that we, we realized that um, the client specifies a decoder name, usually just hard coded like PG output or wall to JSON or test decoding. And that actually refers to the name of a .so, like a, a, a shared library. And we realized we could create a .so with the same name and put it in a different directory and then change the dynamic library paths to be prefixed with that directory so it would load our yeah. library instead so this is kind of the worst thing we did but hey. um but it, it it works nicely actually i mean that 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 new .so file calls the original .so file and it's it, <laughs> it kind of makes some changes to hide the sharding from the the coding nice. but, but it's uh yeah you we we you know it is it is a, it is a hack it's very much a hack but uh it's uh, it, it's nice that Postgres ultimately lets you do these kind of things. I think like Citus says, like, is there there's like a requirement that Citus loads first as a as an extension? Is that true? I'm trying to remember if, um, if I'm making that up or it is true. I mean, it's maybe it's a bit of it's, laziness on our part, but it's also yeah. because, um, like we we generate very weird pl like plans that wouldn't make any sense to other extensions. So if you have like yeah. multiple layers of planner hooks, you kind of one side us to be like so, but by putting it first, it actually becomes the last because everyone else overwrites Citus, and then hopefully, yeah, yeah. when you go through the chain of planner hooks, Citus is the last one remaining, and it can produce some quirky distributed query plan that doesn't make yeah. sense to anyone else, and 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 uh, pick that up itself. But uh, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Is, are are there like known extensions that that aren't compatible with Citus that you're aware of, or as far um, as you know, like it kind of works with with most everything? Yeah, I mean, Citus is a little bit of a paradigm shift because now you have like many servers, and, and you know, some extensions just don't make sense if they're if you're on many servers because they keep their state yeah. on one of them, and then like they don't they're not aware of others. Um, but I mean, most things just work. But I I, I kind of feel like there's this notion of a like a, a deep extension, if you will, like uh, Timescale DB or, or Citus, they, they kind of go really deep into like planner hooks and, and change behavioral characteristics. Whereas something like PostGIS and a lot of extensions that just introduce new types and functions, like they're yeah. they're sitting on top of this much more clean interface. And, and usually the yeah. interoperability of those things is pretty good. But uh, like, Timescale has this notion of a hyper table inside as a distributed table. And they, I mean, you cannot really make a distributed hyper table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, compatibility is, I mean, it comes down to um, sometimes also the individual features. It's not like you can, uh, like if you install one, then the other doesn't work anymore. I mean, uh, that happens for some extensions, but for, yeah. for Citus, most other things just kind of work with it. 
Yeah. So let's let's talk about PG Cron. Did you how how early were you involved in that project? Um, well, I created it uh, on. I I used to have this thing where I am much more productive uh, on on flights, and I flew to yeah. uh, San Francisco <laughs> a lot for a while, and then. Uh, I, I had a few of these projects that I was just working on on flights, and PG Cron was one of them. Um, and so, at the time, we had uh, customers who did kind of this real-time analytics scenarios on, uh, on 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 Postgres, on Citus, and those involve a lot of materialization. So, a bunch of raw data keeps coming in, like time series data, and at some point, you want to yep. take all the new data and kind of pre-aggregated inside of the database. And that, that needs to happen <laughs> periodically. Like, um, and, and so uh, I think the background worker concept was pretty new at the time. I don't know, this was many years ago. And so I yeah. realized you could, you could do something like Cron. Um, it, it maybe also comes from the Amazon background because Amazon, at least at the time, was all like glued together with Cron, Perl, and R-Sync. Like, <laughs> just, just like... There were cron jobs that would rsync metadata files to other servers and it was all yeah. pretty hacky <laughs> but anyway like yeah. um I, I figured it would be pretty useful to have this kind of thing in, in in postgres also for just you know vacuuming or or uh calling uh calling certain stored procedures that i don't know delete your old data like all those kind of maintenance tasks um you you it was just much easier if that's like you run a command once and then it works forever rather than I need to maintain a separate infrastructure that periodically connects to the database and, and does that. Um, so that became quite, quite popular. Um, again, I think pretty much all major managed services have PG, PG cron now. Um, yeah. I, I kind of built it as a very, I mean, it was definitely my side project. So I also built it as a very low maintenance thing that that I wouldn't have to constantly, you know, fix bugs in. Yeah. I'm also a little bit selective about adding new features. Like for a long time I resisted adding uh like people want like, can I run a job every few seconds? And and, and normally cron is like at the minute granularity. But uh, right. recently I caved and I added doing it every few seconds <laughs> because I realized like it's kind of feature like if there's some kind of issue, some kind of memory leak uh, or whatever, like if you run it every few seconds, it's going to be way worse than if you run it once a minute. So uh, you, you yeah. need to be more careful in that case. But uh, but you can now also do like every every second, for example, which is kind of useful. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I was looking at, um, uh, we, we're, we're just building a new data warehouse, um, trying to use Postgres to do that. You know, I'm exploring all the, you know, the columnar extension as well, which sort of is part of Citus. I don't know if you had any, did any work on that, but, um, um, yeah, looking at like PG cron versus like PG timetable. Have you, have you had the question of like, what about, have you looked at timetable and its features? And, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to get your assessment of the two. Um, yeah, I've looked at it a bit. I'm. I mean, for a long time, it wasn't so much an extension. I think nowadays they are, uh, it is more or less an autonomous extension, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, it's somewhat more, more complex. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in a way, I, like it doesn't, I don't feel like competitive of like, you should use PG Cron or use PG timetable. Um, yeah. I think PG Cron is just like intentionally simple, uh, such a, you know, yep. just this very simple thing that just works and does what you'd expect it to do. I mean, almost unless your your clock time zone is in a different, <laughs> unless you're not in GMT, then it sort of doesn't quite do what you'd expect it to do. But anyway, 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I think Grunt is just simpler, but uh, I mean, that's, that has, like, if you need some more uh, specific, like, I guess it comes down to, do you need the extra features that PG timetable adds? But uh, I, it's, yeah. I think for most people, PG Cron is good enough because you can also just, like, I've also seen people do like their own kind of job queues on top of PG Cron, where you just have this thing that runs every few seconds or every minute and then looks just, are there some jobs to do and it actually yeah. executes the stuff that's in the jobs table. So it's kind of composable as well. As well. You can you can build your own right. things on top if you want. Yeah, yeah, and especially if you could trigger it every second, you know, to check for work. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's just fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm coming from uh, my previous company was doing Apache Airflow, and so it's it's like kind of getting back to some of the stuff. I mean, obviously that's a very complicated system with uh, a lot of capabilities and um, DAG like you know uh, chaining of of tasks and, and fanning out and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to try to do uh, some of that stuff inside of Postgres without requiring. I, I'm I'm trying to you know I, we're trying try. to go with the the mantra of like just use Postgres for everything and uh, <laughs> um, yeah yeah it's uh, not the so it's not a bad mantra. It's like uh, <laughs> I mean some of the uh, you know you've you've got I guess different uh, levels of commitment to that idea of. You know how much of our backend can we shove into Postgres, and uh, you know there's right. these GraphQL extensions where you you pretty much put your like your put your entire backend in Postgres. Yeah, your um, API is there. Yeah, I guess uh, Superbase is going a pretty long way in that direction. But it, you know, at some point there is like, you know, you need to you want a debug style for you. You want to have certain like the rollout procedures, and 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 there are some sometimes Postgres is not. Uh, like as mature a tool as as just shipping like Python files somewhere. Like there's just better CI yeah. tools for for most normal programming languages than for for Postgres procedures. So you have to find the right balance, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, it, like we're we're building, um, and maybe this shouldn't have happened, but apparently yesterday, like we were working on on a new FDW, uh, you know, um, and. Uh, I think it hit an exception that wasn't handled and it appeared to shut down the Postgres server, you know? So that's <laughs> kind of fun. Um, like, should that have happened? Should that be possible? Should a extension um, error take it down? But, you know, well, we're still investigating that. But yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, there's always risk with um, trying to do do a lot inside. But I, I think with mature with a mature uh, extension that's well-tested and um, battle, you know, battle-tested, it, it should be, I mean, if you think about everything that's happening, there's no SRP in Postgres, right? Like, there's it's not just doing one thing. It's got it's got a vacuum. You know, there's like lots of processes running, and so then the question is like, is it a sin to add one more thing? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. if it has the capability to have a background worker. You know, it's like it's just like staring you in the face, like use me. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's there. There, like the extension um, APIs are like slowly evolving from just a complete like hacky approach for people to try out their Postgres batches before uh, before merging them into core to some, I mean, I guess extensibility was there from the start, but you know, that's, that's more true for custom types and custom functions than it is for planner cooks and background workers and those kind of things. Yeah. Those are a little bit more, huh, what do we, you know, add this function pointer to C, maybe extensions can do something interesting with it. Um, 
and 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 it's not very extremely well structured. But I mean the um, the whole Rust uh, like PGRX and and building extensions in Rust it, it does it does create an opportunity to have a little bit more of a well defined method of 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 developing extensions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting to me about Postgres is is like the history of forks, you know and and it sucks to be on a true fork, as you know, as I'm sure you were aware. Um, creating the extension framework helps people out of the land of forks, but it does create like the possibility for even more, uh, you know, risk uh, slash extensions <laughs> in terms of all that. So it's it's like a double edged sword. Um, I think I think it's great though. That's that to me is the reason why Postgres is is doing so well now. Is is all that freedom that that the um, core team has given the community in terms of how to use it. Uh, it's just like it's unprecedented and 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 and, uh, and and you know almost dangerous. But I also think like empowering to um, the developers who wanna who wanna have some fun with their database. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, what we also often find it's just um, like. You know, an extension versus an external tool. At least, I mean, we're we're sort of in the business of of running a Postgres managed service, and um, but even if you have just your own Postgres servers, it's 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 a has a fairly straightforward deployment model, right? Like, it, you don't have to create a whole separate cluster with its own configuration that connects to your Postgres database and 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 does things with it. You just you just shove it into your existing Postgres server and. Like it'll restart the background workers, and you don't have to worry about all those things. So it's, it it, it does have a, a lot of merit actually to to develop a software as a Postgres extension. I mean, it comes with its own protocol. I mean, I think the most interesting is thing is just like you get all this synergy between between all these different extensions that like the the sum of the parts is like greater than the or what is it? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But <laughs> um, like you know, also things like. Uh, like PostGIS and and Citus, they kind of layer like you can distribute it geospatial joins, whatever. Um, but then also like uh, maybe you have some some interesting uh, function and you can run it periodically using PGCron, and it's like all the all these all these things kind of uh, give you this uh, little platform where you can just by running SQL queries do do increasingly interesting things. Maybe you have an yeah. FTW that does an HTTP call, and you you run it using PGCron, for example. It just um, like and and now your Postgres server is not just a like PGCron is not just Postgres cron; it's actually anything cron. Like you can yeah reach out to other systems. So that that pluggability wow, is that's extremely exactly, powerful. That's, I, I I literally have a co-op that started last week, and the, his first task was I said create create an FTW for this API. Um, and and use pgcron and and ingest that data and uh and you know he's like well how where how do i do it you know like just brand new to like data warehousing in general but um he's he's got the the fdw built and now he's you know working on getting if he has any problems i'll send him your way <laughs> sure no, sure kidding i won't kidding kidding i won't do that <laughs> well, i mean uh, I mean, um, I mean if there's bugs <laughs> open issues like i'd like to know of Let's course be. of course <laughs> but there's no bugs no uh, <laughs> so do you have any long flights coming up you know where, where you have some new extensions coming <laughs> no we had a baby last year it's like my flight uh, <laughs> budget is very low at the moment but, yeah uh, that's true um, Your latest extension is human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'd like to play more with with Rust because that 
Um, yeah. I mean, the problem with with extensions in the past, like developing them in C, has always been like C doesn't have any good sort of dependency framework. Like, you know, there's these yeah. old established library like uh, I don't know, libz and libxml or something like something that was like developed I don't know, 20 years ago, and now okay, every system yeah. has it. You can use it. But uh, for anything newer than 10 years, it's like extremely annoying and hard to use a C library. And then even if you can figure out, you know, your configure and your make files, like uh, the memory allocation is is probably gonna not play nicely with Postgres. So um, that's where Rust is kind of interesting, this PGRX. Like now there's this whole ecosystem of open source libraries that uh, can potentially become extensions. And like, we're still yeah. sort of at the, at the very start of that, like just what's going to happen. It's kind of scary because it could be a, very much of a Cambrian explosion. Really? With, you know, what, what happens if there are 300 new extensions that are worth adding? You know, it's a sort of a pain for the managed service providers to yeah, deal definitely. with that. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they can have funny incompatibilities. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it helps that then Rust is, you know, a little bit more safe and a little bit more um, not managed, but like the, you know, the, yeah. there's certain, like the, the, the memory allocation is a bit more uh, sort of safe as well. But then, yeah, yeah you can have uh, a lot of weird bugs if you combine all these unknown bits of code. Yeah. That's great. Uh, are, there, are there any uh, extensions that you've run across um, either, you know, recently or in the past that are, that you, that you, that you love that you would mention is is exciting i mean you mentioned post gis and uh anything else that you can think of it's a no big um, deal if not yeah i mean there's uh yeah there's, there's many i i, I quite like I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by postgres ml it's like this just machine learning yeah. extension that um they seem to be doing a lot of interesting things i, I don't have a good use case for it myself yet but i, I, I yeah I, I really like what you're doing um yep. also in rust i think mit license so it's it's uh you know it's it's, it's it, it, it can be used in a lot of places. Um, there's, of course, like a lot of buzz around uh, PG vector and more recently PG embedding. Um, yeah. Which is just sort of an interesting kind of development because now I think they both added this uh, HNSW uh, indexes, which, yeah. are, which are faster than the IFE flat indexes that PG vector provided. But then uh, it also means they are now incompatible. You cannot like... If with the latest versions, you can create one or the other, not both, which is, yeah. which is a little awkward. But um, <laughs> but I think that is where, like, of course, one of the most you know fastest moving areas, and I think some of these things will be be figured out. Um, Have the, you gotten those extensions added to the Citus uh, managed service? Um, yeah, we we definitely have PG Vector. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that took the landscape yeah. by storm. Like, I think they're pretty much on every, yeah. every managed service now. Uh, it's interesting. Like it'd be, you know, we're, we're working on this thing called trunk, you know, where we're trying to, um, maybe, maybe, I don't know if we can get you guys to participate, but the idea would be to, like, send some metadata to some sort of central uh, repository that we'd know, like which extensions are trending, um, uh, you know, n you know, waning, um, completely dead or, or not, you know, like, <laughs> uh, I, I just think like it's, it's interesting as a new person coming into the Postgres ecosystem, there's just this library of of potential extensions that it's pretty expansive and kind of trails off in a way you know because sure, you, yeah. you can find them loosely you know here or there on on github but i think having a, a better directory of them would be good for the community 
Yeah, I mean, this I guess one thing that's also tricky about extensions. It's like I mean, you'd you'd, you'd want it in an ideal world. You know, you write it once and then it it works forever. In in the real world, uh-huh. it's like every Postgres version is like <laughs> potentially breaks yeah. your extension. So uh, someone yeah. has to actually go and and uh, and fix it for uh, for new <laughs> Postgres versions. I mean, sometimes it's okay. I think with PG Cron, I had like. Once or twice, it's like, I think Postgres 16 didn't, well, actually, no, it did, it did require some fixes. I think there was one Postgres version which didn't require any fixes, maybe PG-15. I was very happy, but uh, usually, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a sort of, C is a bit of this wild west of programming languages, but um, yeah, sometimes just some function header changes, there's an extra argument, and then, you know, none of the extensions that use that function compile, so um, yeah. like you have to have, you have to have some level of maintenance behind each extension. Uh, well, not every extension does. Well, great. I mean, it was great to chat with you. Uh, uh, happy to have you back on again. If you have a big, uh, big new release of uh, Citus, I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you guys have anything? Any any big plans for it, or is it is it reached a certain point of stability where it's uh, it is what it is? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Uh, well, I, I mean, our our most recent uh, major release added this kind of notion of schema based sharding where. Um, because uh, so far it's always been like you have distributed tables and you have a distribution column and you need to pick which columns you use. But with schema-based sharding, it's just like every schema becomes its own group, its own, own shard, essentially. So it <laughs> might be on a different node. So for uh, apps that use schema per tenant, uh, that's that's a very nice model. Um, and so that's uh, that we're, we're investing uh, more in that at the moment. Well, great. Uh, good, good to meet you. Um, looking forward to uh, continuing to get to know you. And uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me.